Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in our recent past, we have welcomed the newborn king into the world. We have watched as the shepherds and the angels and the magi all sought to put themselves into the presence of Christ. We do that today as we come together to worship and to celebrate and then seek to do that every day for the rest of our lives. Let's take this journey together. We are so glad you're here. Come on in. So we're starting in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, then we'll jump to chapter 3, 1 through 7. So we're going back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Let's see how it goes. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17, listen. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man you may eat freely of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. And then moving over to 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from Matthew's gospel, and this is the account, one of the accounts of Jesus being tempted in the devil, in the wilderness, for 40 days. Listen again with fresh ears, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, 
He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was looking to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best there's ever been. Cut. We're going to stop right there. I know it's hard to stop. I know it. So this is the song called The Devil Went Down to Georgia by the late, great Charlie Daniels and the Charlie Daniels Band. This came into being in 1979. They were just finishing an album uh, and they realized that they didn't have a fiddle song. The Charlie Daniels Band is in the classic rock, southern rock category. So they have all the rock uh, required instruments, um, electric guitars, um, the whole set, and the fiddle. Charlie Daniels plays, played the fiddle. So they realized they didn't have one, and so they left the recording studio, and they went back to rehearsal studio. And what they came, came out with was this song. This song was number three, their highest chart topper of all of his songs in 1979 on the Billboard Top 100. Won him a Grammy that year for best uh, uh, performance by a rock group or duo. And when you think of the Charlie Daniels Band, often you think of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Well, I, I set the scene for you in the opening verses. So it is a battle between the devil and a young man named Johnny. And apparently the devil's a little put off. He hadn't made his quota. He must be behind on stealing souls. So where does he come? Right here to Georgia. And Johnny is just playing his fiddle, going to town, enjoying himself, doing his thing. The devil thinks, hmm, I think I can work with this. That's when he appears to him and says, hey, I think I'm better than you, and I bet a fiddle of gold, I'll give you a fiddle of gold if you're better than me, but if I win, I get your soul. And Johnny, 
even theologically reflecting, says, this may be a sin, but I think I am that good. Oh, and I'm going to take you down. Let's do it. I'm in. And so then the next two parts of the song are the musical interludes, one by the devil and then one by Johnny. Now, when the devil starts, a band of demons joined in, and it is this little, again, it's not the solo, but a little interlude with devil going to town on his fiddle, doing his thing. When he is finished, Johnny says, you're pretty good, old son. But sit down in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. Johnny has a good sense of self-esteem all the way through this confident of his abilities. And then there's another solo section where now Johnny is doing his fiddle playing. And so after this, it is clear the devil doesn't try to say, oh, I was better, or even it was a tie. It says the devil knew that he'd been beat. He laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. And Johnny, again, Says, devil, come on back if you ever want to try again. I don't told you once, the radio edit, you son of a gun, I'm the best it's ever been. The battle, this kind of leg, uh, legendary Faustian arrangement where devil approaching human beings and saying, I can give you what you want if, if you just dot, dot, dot. And it is in those dot, dot, dots that we find ourselves in the first Sunday of Lent. If you will just dot, dot, dot is where Jesus finds himself in the wilderness being tempted. So to reset our scene, we're in chapter four. So, so far what's happened? We're early in Matthew's gospel. Jesus was born, Jesus was just baptized, and literally the last words before we begin our chapter and verse, uh, four and one, Jesus is baptized and God says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then it goes into our passage, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, but why? Jesus is ready. We see the baptism as the beginning of his ministry. He is focused, spirit descended. He's ready to go, but he's not. Scripture doesn't say, and the devil took him out into the wilderness to mess with him. It says the spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So first he fasts 40 days and 40 nights. There are other biblical things that happened in 40 days and 40 nights. Anybody? Yes, all of those things. Everybody answered that really good. Yes, the, the, main, the main one we know is the children of Israel who broke free from slavery in Egypt. Moses brought them through the Red Sea and how long in the wilderness? Well, for them it's 40 years, yes. Uh, Elijah, 40 days, the ark, 40 days. Um, all the, the, the word 40 um, often is used for times of trial, and in this case, times of wilderness. For us, we go camping in the wilderness and bring the kayak and have the fire going, and that's fun. Wilderness in 
for our biblical writers was a time of fear and separation in the desert, being alone and being vulnerable. So think about it, Jesus 40 days, at the end of that 40 days, what is he? He's hungry, he fasted that long. And he went to spiritually prepare himself before he started his ministry, before he did what he was being called to do, baptized, ready to go, yes, no, I need to step back and spend some time with God and the Holy Spirit. And it took him that time to refine himself, to kind of tune up his human and divine self before he steps out in ministry. He is at his spiritual strength after this time spending only with God, no other voices. It's a 40-day it's retreat, in other words. But the human side of him is at its most vulnerable. Yes, uh, we say Jesus is both human, fully human and fully divine, but make no mistake, this was a place of human vulnerability. One of the things that connects us to God through Christ is that he experienced what we did in the time of suffering, in this uh, time of temptation, but also on the cross as his friends betrayed him. He experienced hope and laughter and joy, but also pain, loneliness, hardship, and suffering. That is one of the things that connects us to Christ and in the wilderness is no different. So there are three temptations. The first one for food, why? Because that's where Jesus might be at his most vulnerable. Just turn these stones to bread. Just, just do it. Just, you can do it. If you are, and if can also be translated as since. The devil has no misconceptions about who Jesus is. He's not saying if you are who you claim to be, it's since you are the son of God, since you are this messianic figure, do these things and prove it. And each time Jesus responds by using scripture. The first one is from Deuteronomy eight, the next two are from Deuteronomy six. So what does that tell us about the first way that we can fight temptation in our own lives? It's to know scripture. It's to be conversant with the word of God enough so that God can work and speak through you. But that means that we don't wait for others to speak God's word to you, that we are involved in a lifelong process of learning and Christian education and Bible study. The second going to take you up, throw you up, and if you are who you say you are, throw yourself down, the angels will come and they will, they'll catch you and give you a soft landing. We want to see some razzle-dazzle. We want to see and show the people that you are miraculous. And Jesus again says, no, don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. And the third one was the big one that really encompassed the other two in Matthew. And by the way, on the second one, what did the devil do that was different than the first one? He quoted scripture, oh, our scripture in our Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. 
The devil hears how Jesus responds with scripture and he says, well, I can, I can quote scripture too from Psalm 91. He says, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Again, throw yourself down. You do scripture, I do scripture. And again, as we have seen throughout time, the Bible is prone to people twisting it and bending it. No case more clear than here. So the last one, devil takes him up to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, everything. And how could this not be tempting to Jesus? The devil is in essence saying, you, you don't have to go through all of this suffering, this nailed to a cross business, this resurrection. You don't have to scratch and claw with these 12 disciples and they don't get it. They're not going to get it. Why go through all of this? I will give you these kingdoms now. You snap your fingers and they will follow. It had to be tempting. And then at this point, Jesus just becomes angry and says, away with you, Satan, for you shall worship the Lord only and serve him. So that's really what all this is about. Who do we worship? Who did Christ worship? He didn't take the shortcut, and the shortcut is often what we are all looking for. And certainly there is effectiveness to shortcuts that help us minimize friction in our lives, vocationally, health-wise, financially, and in our lives of faith as well. Nothing wrong with being effective and smart. But just in this case, the devil is looking to make a bargain for you to continue to let sin win and take you over and for that to be a shortcut for you. He's telling Jesus the same thing he says to us. Hey, you, you go to church every once in a while, don't you? That ought to be enough. You don't really have to sacrifice. You don't really have to give anything up. You go to church, that ought to be enough. God loves you no matter what, you're gonna be, you're gonna inherit that grace. So why do you have to give up anything? Your life is pretty good. Why halt and take stock? Why stop and do the hard work of the Lenten journey by addressing the dark shadow sides of ourselves as we prepare for the resurrection? You don't have to, Jesus says. The serpent says to Eve, oh, God, you know what? Just, just bite this and you will be there. You will know what God knows. You will know good, right from wrong and you will be like God. And the devil continues to tell all of us, you can be the God of your own life. You don't have to give that up. Just kneel before me. And often we don't see it in terms of that. It's not a horned, devil figure who comes and says, poof, do this. It is more couched in our own justification, in our own fears, in, the own, in our own sins that separate us that we know darn well, even if we pretend we don't. We know who we are enough to know that any deal we make to cut through that is a deal made with this double-tongued devil. The powers of darkness and sin are real in this world. 
And our job is to take Jesus's model and live with sacrificial love. That's what Jesus in essence said to the devil. No, I'm not taking the shortcut. I'm doing what the will of God is. And that's to go the route that has been laid out before me. And that is to sacrifice myself. This Lenten journey, when we give stuff up and take things on, whatever that is for you, some of that is to symbolize our sacrificing to God to make some space to show God that because God sacrificed for us through Christ, we can sacrifice through God in our lives. But it's also for us to enter into the next 40 days knowing that there's no easy shortcut to Easter. It's what we want. We want to jump over Good Friday and just get to, yay, Jesus is raised. But we have to go through Good Friday to get to Easter. And this 40-day journey is sacrificial love. It is, this isn't fluffy bunny love. It reminds me of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is what? Patient, kind, not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is not fluffy bunny love. This is sacrificial love. And on this first Sunday in Lent, we are called to explore those dark sides of ourselves that keep us from fully trusting God in our life. And then to live sacrificially as we prepare for what happens at the end of these 40 days with the crucifixion and the resurrection. So let us know and let us know that temptation is always there. All we need to do is make a bad deal with the devil and kneel. The devil's come down to Columbus, Georgia. He's looking for your soul to steal. He's in a bind because he's way behind. He's willing to make you a deal. When he comes across you living your life and wanting a lot, devil dumps up on Hickory Stump, says, friend, let me tell you what. I know you want the good things that lead to the good and easy life power, money, riches, fame with a minimum of strife. I can deliver that to you. I will make that deal. All you have to do is deny the risen Christ and kneel. Let us be stronger than that. Let us be more faithful than that. As you stood up for Noah this morning, let us stand up for Christ as we enter this journey towards Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen.